Me, Myself, and I, a Nintendo podcast, is a passion project brought to you by a fellow gamer just like yourself. To support this podcast, follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Subscribe to Hitbox Detective on YouTube and follow me on Twitter at Hitbox Detective. I know everyone says this, but I truly mean it when I say your support means the world to me. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome. This is episode 15 of Me, Myself, and I, a Nintendo podcast. I'm your host, Ben, aka Hitbox Detective. For first-time listeners, I was a childhood Nintendo fan that recently re-entered the Nintendo ecosystem, and this is a weekly podcast where I discuss Nintendo news, share what I've been playing, and end on a segment I like to call Switch It Up, where I check out the Nintendo Switch online game library and suggest a game for you all to check out. New episodes go live everywhere on Mondays at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That way, you can start your week off on the right foot, no matter how early you have to wake up for work. This is still a relatively new podcast, and I would like to answer listener questions, comments, and concerns. So if you would like to write into the show, you can do so by emailing me at memyselfandi.pod at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on a YouTube video or tweet at me on Twitter at HitboxDetective. Um, for the, the people that don't uh, follow the show normally and don't know my recording schedule, I record on Fridays and my episodes go live Monday. So the Friday before this episode... Uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Land just showed up, like literally maybe 10 minutes ago. Uh, So I haven't had a chance to play it outside of the demo, which there's a video all about my initial impressions on my YouTube channel. If you go to Hitbox Detective on YouTube, you may already be there watching this podcast, but if you listen on audio-only services, head over there, check it out. And next Monday, I will have my like full impressions, and I'll have played the game for a pretty solid chunk of time. So... um. Yeah, we got that to look forward to. I've been really anticipating Kirby in the Forgotten Land, so um, it's uh, really awesome that it's finally here. Uh, a huge thing that caught me kind of off guard, um, I popped the uh, card into the game, no update. The game is complete as it is on the chip, or on the card, not the chip, I don't know why I said that, but on the card. So unless something happens and they put an update out for it, the game is... Uh, I will say the game is at least playable as intended uh, on launch, which is really cool on the card. So you can buy that pretty confidently, even if you don't play online or connect online, which is super cool. Um, I know it's not Nintendo related, but I'm still working on my Horizon Forbidden West review. I'm actually uh, battling the final boss and just getting my ass completely handed to me. Um, But yeah, I went in, I think you're supposed to be a level 35. I went in at like 34 and like halfway progressed through 34. I thought I would hit 35 by the end boss, like by the time I got there and, uh, it didn't work out that way. And so I'm just going to have to like grind that out and play incredibly well, uh, to get through it. But, uh, but once I finish that, I'm going to, um, I'm going to try a new format to see how I like it. Um, so I'm going to record a video, um, kind of talking through my thoughts, edit everything together, um, in a way that is, you know, makes sense. And then, you know, disguise the cuts with B-roll and stuff like that and, uh, get that out. And then once that's in the editing phase, when I'm just like downtime playing games, I'll be playing Kirby. So, um, hopefully I get that horizon review done and out on my YouTube channel as soon as possible. So I can really throw myself into Kirby. Um, you can probably see it in the background on the video, but there's a little blue notebook. I uh, bought that to 
just as I play games and have a thought, I, you know, I like I, when I sit down to play, I like write the date and then, uh, you know, I'm always capturing gameplay so that I can find it later. So I'm just like, something will happen. I'll make a little note. And, uh, also like I'll think something and I'll write that down. And so I'm going to refer to that. Um, I'm like 14, 15 pages into it just for the horizon review. So there's a lot in there. I had a lot of thoughts on it and I really can't wait to share those, uh, thoughts with everybody. Um, I have a new content structure for my YouTube videos, uh, that once I finish the Kirby video, I'll really be able to hit the ground running. Um, it'll basically be, I think I talked about it last week, but for anybody that doesn't know, I'll do, um, three kind of videos in that style. And then I'll do like a, uh, either a, like a big review for a new release, or, uh, if there's really nothing out there, I'll do like a retrospective or some kind of editorial, something I feel called to make. Um, and I guess if there's really nothing going on, I'll just keep playing games in my backlog and doing like a retro or uh, rewind reviews. Like if, uh, if I play a game that's older than 10 years, I'm going to call it a retro review. If it's, uh, somewhere less than that, like, uh, nine to a year ago, I will do a, uh, rewind review. And if it's, if it came out this year, but I'm just getting around to it, I'll just call it like an in-depth review. Um, and that's how, what I'm really going to call all my reviews because I'll never be able to hit that, uh, like the same date because I don't get codes for anything. Um, and so I will, uh, release those reviews that way and just call them in-depth reviews. And I'll just, I'll have the time to really dig into these games. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And, uh, the, uh, retrospectives and maybe like written reviews and stuff like that will go live on, uh, lordsofgaming.net as well. Um, you know, when I actually do review a game for them, it'll go live there. If not, the video will just be on my channel and all the, I finally beat like retro and uh, rewind reviews and stuff like that will just live on my YouTube channel, retrospectives, editorials, written news related things, uh, will go live on lordsofgaming.net. Um, I'm really doing this so that I can contribute to Lords of Gaming a little bit more in some different ways and just have a little bit more flexibility and kind of like, um, build up a stable of, uh, or like a backlog of banked videos that will just be staggered. And one will come out every week, same time, same day. And, uh, yeah, just be able to hit those deadlines and, um, you know, build them up. I'm also going to take some time off from the day job in April, um, and just, uh, make a bunch of videos as many as possible and just stagger the releases. And, uh, that way, you know, if, if, if I hit a hiccup in the road, my YouTube channel is still active, uh, cause consistency is everything. And I want there to be something on a weekly basis. That's not just me, myself and I, but anyway, I know that, uh, um, you're here for the news and Nintendo talk. So, uh, there really wasn't much to pick from in terms of news this week, but, um, yeah, we can go ahead and dive into that. Let me switch gears real quick. Um, so the Nintendo switch system update 14.0.0 is now live. And here are the full patch notes. This is from Nintendo life. Uh, the article is written by Liam Doolin and I'm kind of just going to run through it. Um, because I downloaded the update. I haven't had too much time to kind of like fool around with it and see what all is in there. So I'm just going to 
kind of read through this and kind of figure it all out together. Um, the article reads as follows. Nintendo has just released a new firmware update for the Switch. It bumps the system up to version 14.0.0, and while it's not an overly large update, it does add one significant and long-requested feature. After five years, users now have the ability to group, or sorry, to create groups of software. This is basically the folder update, which means you can organize. Wow, they spell organize that way? Weird. Anyway, uh, it's a British publication, Nintendo Life, so I'm like, wow, they spell organize with an S? Or am I just like having one of those weird like brain fart moments where a word just looks funny even though I've spelt it that way my entire life? I'm pretty sure we spell organize with a Z. But anyway, um, which means you can organize your library of games in all sorts of categories. There's a limit of up to 100 groups with a maximum of 200 titles per group. That is so many games. I can't imagine somebody actually having that many. But um, you... Let's, let's go over the patch notes because it says, so there you go. You can finally clean up your Switch home menu. In addition to this, Nintendo has changed the volume behavior of Bluetooth audio, further enhancing the user experience. So uh, below are the patch notes. So we can kind of look at those. Um, so groups feature was added to all software menu. You can now create groups of software to help organize your software titles, making groups for different game genres, developers, or whatever you'd like to organize by may find may make it easier to find the application you want. Up to 100 groups can be created with a max of 200 titles per group. The button is, oh sorry, the button to proceed to the all software screen is displayed only when there are 13 or more software icons on the system. Um, for more information, see how to create groups of software, which I actually kind of need to take a look at because I was looking to find out how and it's not as easy as just pressing the plus button on the controller and taking it from there. I thought it would be like on PlayStation where you hit like uh, options and then you could like make a folder and put the game in a folder and do it that way. Didn't seem to work that way. So uh, that might actually be worth taking a look at. I'm actually going to open that right now and just see how they do it. Um, okay. It says, make sure your system's updated from the home screen. Uh, or from the Nintendo Switch home menu, scroll all the way to the right and select all software. Press the L button to view your software by groups. And then it says the first time you create a group, you'll get a pop-up where you can now select create new group. After the first group has been created, click the plus button to create a new group. And then from there, you're off to the races. Okay, it was simpler than I thought. You just have to go all the way to the right and click that all software option. Anyway. Um, also, Bluetooth audio volume behavior has changed. You can now adjust the volume of Bluetooth audio devices using either the Nintendo Switch console or through volume control buttons on the Bluetooth audio device. The Bluetooth audio device must support AVRCP profiles for these changes to work. The volume displayed on the console will reflect the Bluetooth audio volume when using the device's control buttons. The maximum, the maximum, <laughs> oh my God, the maximum volume output for some Bluetooth audio devices has been increased. When first connecting a device, volume will be reduced to avoid sudden loudness. Uh, for more information, see how to pair and manage Bluetooth devices. And that one I'm going to leave for you to go check out. It's on the Nintendo website. So um, yeah, those are out there. If you haven't already downloaded the update or you, if you put your Switch into standby, it probably downloaded while you weren't even paying attention. But um, I turned my 
switch all the way off. So I had to boot it up and get the update started. It really was a small update, did not take long. But this next one I'm kind of excited about. Uh, Nintendo Switch, or sorry, Nintendo highlights upcoming N64 releases and latest Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack Overview Trailer. And again, this is from Nintendo Life, written by Liam Doolin as well. Um, instead of just reading the article, let's check out this trailer and I'll kind of narrate what's going on for everybody. Whoa, almost forgot to turn the volume down. So let's see what they open with. It's a bunch of Nintendo 64 games, and I think I saw, you know, they seem to be adding more and more to the Switch Online service as of late, and it's cool. The service is really growing, even though it's not ideal and it's not what I would like it to be in every sense of the word, or in most senses uh, of what you would want this online service to be, Um, but it's cool nonetheless, and I think, um, you know, if... The longer it goes, people are getting more and more reasons to finally um, subscribe to the service. Um, I mostly subscribe to it because I felt like um, I should be subscribed to it if I'm recording a Nintendo podcast. And uh, um, But now there's more games being added to it, and I'm all of a sudden thinking like, oh, wow, this is cool, and... Um, uh, I can see why people would actually want to uh, to dive in now. Um, is this just a complete overview, or do they get into new games being added? Oh, here we go. Okay, so let me skip ahead really quick. So it looks like... Um, oh, my God. Come on, just get to the new games. What is going on here? Um... I'm pretty sure we looked at all these yesterday. Wow. Okay. They're not even going to really detail them. So uh, let's scroll down and look at the list. Um, it looks like uh, Banjo-Kazooie, The Legend is... Wait. In this updated overview trailer, Nintendo has swapped out the previous future releases. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie, The Legend of Zelda, Paper Mario, uh, Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, Pokemon Snap, and Mario Golf. Um, so wait, what's been added? Sorry, I probably should have looked at this article a little more thoroughly, but... So wait, they just... Nintendo highlights upcoming Nintendo 64 releases in the latest Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack overview. Oh, so, there's only three. My bad for not totally looking at this. I was like, oh, this will be cool. We'll just watch the trailer and I'll figure it out live. Fuck it, we'll do it live, was basically what I was thinking. Um, And probably should have dug into it a little deeper. So, it looks like they swapped uh, Banjo-Kazooie, The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask, and Paper Mario in the trailer. They're, those games aren't leaving the service. They were just in the trailer previously, and they swapped them for the new games that are coming, which are Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, which I remember playing at a cousin's house, and I loved it. I thought it was so cool, and it's cool that they're adding that um, and announcing that around the launch window for uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Um, and then Pokemon Snap is coming, which is really cool, and Mario Golf. Um, games I would really like to revisit. So um, it's cool that they added all of these. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, especially Mario Golf, oddly enough. Mario sports games are some of my like favorite sports games of all time. And uh, even like the old like EA, like uh, 
the EA games that would come to Nintendo that were like EA big uh, games. Like uh, I'm trying to think like it was like NFL Street and uh, maybe like NBA Street, but they had um, it maybe wasn't called NBA Street, but maybe it was. But like you could play as like Mario or Peach and like break ankles on uh, basketball players. That, oh my god if you haven't seen that go look that up but the, those were some good times i miss i miss like so like gamecube was my last nintendo console before the switch i had like 3ds's and stuff like that because i always wanted to play pokemon but for me um the gamecube was like the last time i really wanted a nintendo console and then the wii came out and i tried to get it at first and felt a little burned and then i started to see the games that were coming out and how much motion controls were really there and i got hands-on time with it because a friend had it and i really didn't like it and so i just stopped playing them until the switch came out but anyway mario golf mario tennis uh, mario strikers all these games i really liked and so something like Mario Golf, I'm looking forward to revisiting. Even uh, Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards, I'd like to re- like go back to that and maybe do like a retro review for it. Um, and then Pokemon Snap, I would like to just take a gander at for a little while just because I am like a little nostalgic for it. And uh, I wish it was Pokemon Stadium, to be honest. But if Pokemon Snap is coming, I have a feeling Pokemon Stadium is in the pipeline, which is exciting. Um, but anyway, that's it for that. We can move on to the next story. Uh, the Wii shop channel has been down and also this article has an update. The Nintendo DSi shop went down as well. And Nintendo provided a statement about the situation saying that, um, Uh, This is what Nintendo had to say about it. The Wii Shop channel and Nintendo DSi Shop are currently undergoing maintenance. We will provide an update um, at a later date. And as of the time I'm recording this, I don't think they're back online. I think they're still down for maintenance. Um, It's weird because, you know, they announced that the 3DS eShop and the um, Wii U eShop were being closed and I would imagine these stores are closed as well but maybe it's a um like it's I'm sure that these have been closed but you have been able to uh go back and download your previous purchases and stuff like that and maybe this is like an indicator that the ability to go online and download things even after having had purchased them and being promised that you'd be able to, maybe that's going away. But let's go ahead and read this article really quick and see if there's anything that I'm not thinking of. Um, that uh, who wrote this? Brian over at Nintendo Everything had to say. The article reads as follows: For the past few days, the Wii Shop channel has been experiencing major issues. Right now, it seems impossible to access the digital store at all. At startup, you'll likely be presented with what, or sorry, what's more or less a blank screen. Sit there long enough and you may encounter an error code as well. Unfortunately, there's nothing that can be done other than returning to the home menu manually. Uh, many will likely view the situation as unimportant. After all, we're a couple console generations past the Wii at this point. Nintendo has since released the Wii U and Switch, and the latter is Nintendo's current focus and the focus of many gamers. The Wii Shop channel technically closed in 2019, but those that bought content previously have still been able to access their past purchases. 
Because of the current situation, that is not possible at the moment. Nintendo did indicate that prior downloads would stop at some point as well, though there has been no announcement regarding a specific date. As for the current status of the Wii Shop channel, it's unclear what's happening. It's certainly possible that it will return in a few days, but looking on Nintendo's maintenance page, there's nothing about any issues or when things will be back up and running. And that was before they got the update. What This article originally went live on March 19th, and then on March 22nd, Nintendo provided a statement um, that it was undergoing maintenance. So... I doubt anybody that listens to this show went to the Wii, like turned on their Wii and was like, you know what? I'm going to go re-download fucking, I don't know, Mario Galaxy <laughs> and, and found out that they couldn't. Um, they're like, you know what? I'm going to get Twilight Princess again. I think I bought that digitally. Let's go play Twilight Princess and isn't able to do that. Um, I doubt that happened. But someone noticed, which means somebody had their Wii up and was like, let's go download something. Or see if the Wii Shop still functions. I bet that's how somebody realized. Is they were like, I wonder if you can still buy things on the Wii Shop. Um, but, yeah. Anyway. Um, if you're out there and that matters to you, now you know. Moving on to the next story. This one, this one's kind of weird. A full Zelda Ocarina of Time PC port is now complete and available online. This story is from Video Games Chronicle, written by Andy Robinson. We've talked about this a couple of times uh, because Nintendo being very, uh, like, I'm surprised that this is a thing that people can talk about and these people can put out there. And I think, I think now I know why, like last time we got into it, but if I'm being honest, I forgot how they get away with doing it. Um, so let's dive into the article because I imagine they're going to get into it and uh, see what all's going on because... You know, as cool as I think this is and is probably a really great way for some people to play the game, um, even though it's on the Nintendo Switch online service, um, some people might really be into this. And if uh, if it's legal, then, yeah, I mean, why not? But let's get into it and see what all is going on. So the article reads as follows. The PC port includes many new features such as HD graphics, ultra widescreen resolution, keyboard support, modding support, force feedback, and gyroscoping or gyroscope aiming. And developer Harbormasters claims it's working on adding text-to-speech, 60 frames per second visuals, twin-stick camera controls, HD models, and audio, texture packs, and Linux and Mac support for future updates. You can see Zelda's or Zelda 64's unofficial PC port in action via VGC's video below. Um, and that's there if you want to go look at it. But uh, the fan-made PC version is powered by a piece of software called Ship of Harkinian. Harkinian? Ship of Harkinian was made available for download on its Discord server on, on Tuesday. So that was Tuesday the, what, the 22nd. Uh, the software... The software requires users to input their own legally sourced Nintendo 64 ROM for Ocarina of Time, after which it will extract the game's assets and spit out a native PC version. So maybe that's how they're getting away with it? Like, you have to legally have the Nintendo 64 ROM for Ocarina of Time, and then that's how you can play the PC port, which is cool. Um... Creators, uh, Harbor Masters, hope that this separation from Nintendo's owned assets will help shield it from any potential legal ramifications. Kind of doubt it, but we'll see. 
Uh, reverse engineering projects such as this are technically made legal because the fans involved did not use any leaked or copyrighted assets. Harbor Masters is encouraging its users to support the latest official release of Ocarina of Time via Nintendo Switch Online and says it will reward anyone who can show proof of membership with a special role on its Discord server. Um, there's a series of videos of people playing it on like the Steam Deck and like Ultra Wide and um, people working on HD textures, which is pretty cool. The PC port was made possible thanks to a two-year fan project which successfully reverse-engineered a version of Ocarina of Time into compatible C code. A similar decomp or decompilation project led to a Super Mario 64 PC port in 2019. Mario 64's PC port was quickly modded with new graphics and modern effects such as ray tracing, and it looks likely Ocarina will receive even more modding support. Speaking to VGC, Harbor Masters developer Kenix claimed its mod support for Zelda was far easier than Mario 64 PC or sorry Mario 64's PC version thanks to features such as script such as a scripting system similar to modern game engines the game's dev team has already made some of its own mods um, and Kenix has said in uh, in a quote our game has an asset loading pipeline much more similar to modern games we have a resource manager that runs on a separate thread that loads assets from our archives. Um, he goes on to say, all of our assets are tagged by a string location within that archive rather than what the game did on N64 pointers. Um, I guess pointers is the way that they did that. I'm not sure. Um, most of our work has gone into the process of importing slash exporting different game asset types. Our our archives also support patches. These patches can replace an asset from the original archive. Um, if you want, uh, if you want to, for example, do a texture pack, all you have to do is create an archive that has the same texture path as the original, and the system will figure out the newest one to use for you. Harbor Master says it plan, or sorry, it plans to work on a similar PC port of Majora's Mask in the future once its code is decompiled by fans. Uh, work on decompiling Majora's Max is currently estimated to be at 45%. So you got that to look forward to. Um, if you're out there and you check this out, please write into the show. I'd love to hear about your experience playing it. Um, Ocarina of Time is a blind spot for me. I played it sort of kind of at a friend's house a really long time ago. Um, and it's something I've always wanted to like circle back to, and I've thought about playing it uh, through Nintendo Switch Online and do a I Finally Beat kind of retro review for it, so maybe that's in the pipeline, especially now that people are checking it out on the PC. Um, seems kind of timely, but it would be a ways off, so we'll see. I think I'm going to, you know, I put like 60-some-odd hours into Breath of the Wild and never beat it, and so that's something that I want to go back and finally beat. Uh, and do a video on. So that's in the pipeline. Moving on, Kirby in the Forgotten Land um, was kind of had a deep dive look into it by Digital Foundry. And um, uh, there are some insights um, that you can check out if you go to uh, Eurogamer.net. Uh, John Lineman, uh is a senior staff writer there and also uh, does a lot of work with Digital Foundry. And um, it's an interesting video. I took a look at it. Um, I'm not going to totally dive into it, um, but 
I, I like pointing people in that direction because if you're on the fence about purchasing the game, um, they're a great resource to, you know, objectively look at the game and go, this is what's going on with this game. If you, it, this is how it performs, um, make an educated buying decision based on that. Um, I like pointing people in that direction, especially when the game just came out and I don't have the opportunity to really dive into it at the time of this recording. So I figured this would be a good way, uh, for me to, uh, kind of bring everybody that listens up to speed on what's going on. If you go to YouTube and search digital foundry Kirby, you'll find it. Um, but, um, there were some moments like, um, like uh, the quality of the animation and density in the cartoon visuals are standout elements of the Forgotten Lane presentation, or Forgotten Land, I guess is what that's supposed to be. Um, also a note that the game doesn't run at 60 frames per second like many first-party Nintendo titles. It's a properly frame-paced 30 frames per second with only very minor drops. Uh, and they show like one example of Kirby flying around on a star uh, where it's at 29 frames, and it just dips for a moment. Um, yeah, it looks really cool. Um, and I'm really looking forward to playing this game, but I wanted to pass that on. And then I think I have one more quick Kirby story connected to this that we can go ahead and pop over to, um, the HAL or HAL laboratory. I don't know. I've growing up, I always said HAL laboratory, but now I may think it's HAL. I've never heard anybody say it out loud, so I don't know. But um, they talked about Kirby's uh, 3D future, their hopes for new entries, and uh, uh, their hopes that they would be even more wild and free. Um, This is via Nintendo Life, Liam Doolin, once again, handing out great articles. (laughs) Um, But the article reads as follows. Kirby in the Forgotten Land is now available on the Nintendo Switch in certain parts of the world, and as part of this, Nintendo has released a new volume of its Ask the Developer series, providing all sorts of insights about the Pink Puff's first full 3D action game. Towards the end of the interview, HAL Laboratory has, uh, sorry, was questioned about the future of the Kirby, uh, he probably meant to say Kirby series, but uh, the future of Kirby and if the team would continue to explore 3D action gameplay. The short answer is yes. HAL is eager to build on Kirby and the Forgotten Land for Switch. Game director Shinya Kumazaki, sorry, I just wanted to take a pause and make sure I was reading that right. Shinya Kumazaki believes Kirby's latest outing is a masterpiece within the history of the series and mentioned how Kirby still had unlimited potential. From here on out, he hopes the team can be even more wild and free when it comes to creating Kirby titles in the future and told fans to look forward to new Kirby games. Nintendo's uh, Kei, K-I, I guess that's Key or Kei? I have no idea. I'm so sorry. I I hate butchering people's names, but um, I am uncultured swine. Uh, The associate producer of the latest Kirby game was just as supportive of 3D Kirby games moving forward, revealing how this title has encouraged the Kirby development team to keep doing new things in the future in both 2D and 3D. What sorts of 3D projects would we like to see? Is kind of how that article ends. (laughs) I just kept reading and realized that was the little like tail end of the article for people to leave a comment below. Um, but, um, yeah, I think from the time I spent with the demo, Kirby being in the 3d space makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll kind of 
refine my thoughts on it after playing the game and its completion, and that review will go live on my YouTube channel when the time comes. But um, from what I played, uh, my my kind of my take, like my impressions from my time with the demo was that it's really cool, it's really pretty, and like fun to play, but it feels almost too similar to what Mario Odyssey is doing, and I think it's kind of a shame that Kirby um, will kind of be, or at least the Forgotten Land will be so associated with Super Mario Odyssey because they're so similar that instead of going off and doing its own thing, you know, like the one of the examples is that there's just like hidden things throughout the world that like you do this one thing and it opens a little passageway and then all of a sudden you get a collectible and then it's like collect, you know, four more of these. And it just feels like they just took a lot of systems from Super Mario Odyssey. So it feels like Super Mario Odyssey with Kirby in it. And uh, as great as that is, it just feels like Kirby's kind of living in the shadow of Mario a little bit, um, particularly in these two games. But um, yeah, I, I, I hope that they do this and they go, okay, now how can we build upon this and make it more unique to Kirby? But also that was just from the eShop demo impressions. I may play through Kirby in the Forgotten Land and be like, oh, wow, this is really cool and doing something unique. But I still have to go back and finish playing Super Mario Odyssey, so I won't know until I play both of those, uh, to be fair. But just from the time I've spent with Super Mario Odyssey and then the time I've spent playing Kirby in the Forgotten Land, they feel very similar look kind of similar uh and you know just enemies are different and uh the hero is different but we'll see um if uh you play kirby in the forgotten land and you've completed super mario odyssey and you have thoughts on it uh check out a future episode and leave a comment and uh because you probably won't have been able to spend too much time with it unless you beat it over the weekend uh by the time you hear this um but we'll see uh, just either way, write in. Let me know what you think. Um, moving on, though. Nintendo issues copyright strike against scanned Super Mario 64 guide from 1960 or <laughs> 1996. Could you imagine? Uh, anyway, there was an update to this article, uh, and this article was written by Ollie Reynolds over at Nintendo Life. Um, so the the update came out Friday, the 25th of March, um, and. It says, well, that didn't last long. Last week, we reported on a stunning collection of online scans from the 1996 Super Mario 64 guide, a true relic that would likely cost a hefty sum if you wanted a physical copy today. Thanks to an update from Kotaku, uh, we can now report that the scans have now been taken offline after a copyright strike from Nintendo of America, which Internet Archive passed onto the original uploader, Comfort Food Video Games. Before... Oh, Baxter has thoughts. Uh, before, before we give our opinion on this, here's a quote from the uploader, courtesy of Kotaku. Sadly, archive.org sent me their usual takedown notice email telling me Nintendo of America challenged the copyright of the scan and it was removed. Frankly, I'd love to challenge the legitimacy of that and how Nintendo of America would have anything to do with the Nintendo of Japan licensed gem books guide from 1995, but I can't really fight the Nintendo legal team here. It's incredibly disappointing. While I fully understand protecting one's IP and copyrights, I didn't think I was hurting anyone by scanning and uploading a 27-year-old guide that is extremely out of print. 
Truthfully, I think it helps Nintendo while only hurting the people selling this guide for literal hundreds of dollars. All I wanted to do was spread my love of this incredible guide and to a larger extent my love for the company. I'm a rookie to the video game preservation scene, but I can't think of anything more depressing than how it's a bunch of hardworking people spending their free time and money painstakingly, painstakingly archiving and preserving history while major corporations like Nintendo are doing nothing to help. In fact, they're actively hindering the cause. Uh, that's the end of the quote. Uh, back to the article. This is obviously a disappointing turn of events, although not especially surprising if you're familiar with Nintendo's previous takedowns. On the one hand, of course, the guide remains Nintendo's copyright and has every right to defund it or defend it. Uh, but let's be honest here. It's been out of production for years at this point. The likelihood of Nintendo reissuing such a product, particularly outside of Japan, is incredibly slim when you consider the number of times Super Mario 64 has already been released on various platforms. Um, we dare say it's missed its chance. Um, it is unfortunate, you know, that people are going out of their way to do something like this. And it, like the article says, it does make sense that Nintendo would take it down because it is their copyright. And, uh, if they don't want it out there, they have the right to take it down. Um, it just stinks that people that may want to like thumb through it and just kind of take a look at it. Uh, can't do that unless somebody saved it and made a copy or, you know, whatever. But, um, just wanted to, I'm not sure if we talked about this on a past episode, but it was kind of a slow news week. So I wanted to kind of throw this in there, uh, because Nintendo, again, um, they are the most vicious about uh, copyright claims. And sometimes it gets a little concerning when I think about reviewing Nintendo games and making a Nintendo podcast and doing stuff like that. Um, but I try to be uh, thoughtful about how I do things. And, uh, you know, my eShop impressions, the eShop demo impressions of Kirby didn't get taken down. So... I literally had no issues and that had a bunch of like original soundtrack music in it. So, uh, you know, I've realized that as long as you only use like four seconds of uninterrupted music and then you talk over it the rest of the way, they don't even bat an eye. So yeah, Baxter has something to say about it too. Moving on to the next story. Eshop closure be damned. This dev is bringing seven new games to 3DS and Wii U. Uh, the story is from Nintendo Life. Damien McFerrin wrote it, and the article reads as follows. Australian indie developer Gerald Dooley has announced that he's bringing seven new titles to the Wii U and 3DS eShops this year, despite the fact that Nintendo is closing the digital storefronts for the two systems. In a press release, Dooley uh, states that the move was in response to the news of the closure and significant fan demand for the games. Here's Dooley's statement. Um... We have, we have announced seven new titles to launch exclusively on Wii, uh, Nintendo Wii U and Nintendo 3DS. What? Why? In response to Nintendo's recent announcement of the end of eShop sales for Wii U and 3DS, and as a result of significant fan demand, we are bringing seven final games to these consoles. Most of these titles were games we had in development for the Wii U and 3DS already, but either moved uh, main development to the Switch or canceled entirely. After some discussion with Nintendo, we organized bringing these titles back to the Wii U and 3DS as a way to celebrate those consoles and the eShop. Um, the seven game titles are Silver Falls White Inside It's Umbra for Wii U, Silver Falls Gaiden for Wii U, 
Silver Falls Undertakers for Wii U, Silver Falls Guardians and Metal Ex- Exterminators for 3DS, Silver Falls uh, Ghoul Busters for 3DS, Silver Falls Vicarious Brothers for 3DS, and Silver Falls Gaiden Deathly Delusion Destroyers for 3DS. White Inside Its Umbra has show- was shown off earlier this year and seeks to include Wii Balance Board support. The Silver Falls series all take place within the same fictional town. There's no solid release date or pricing for these games as of yet, but Dule states that the first will be released in uh, second quarter of 2022. So we have that to look forward to if those games interest you at all. I've literally never heard of them, but I thought it was cool that somebody is like going to try to get this stuff all out before the, the shops close. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, who knows? Um, sorry, I thought somebody was like at my door trying to talk to me, so I was trying to like be mindful of that. But, um, you know, I kind of think that it's a weird endeavor to embark on to try to get these games out with such short amount of time, but maybe it's easier than I would think. And, um, it's, uh, I guess it's cool. It's a good marketing strategy to be like, hey, we're going to try to put the last seven games out on these consoles and uh, really go after it because people will pay attention to it. You know, I mean, it popped up on my radar um, and I've never even heard of what the games are. And I'm like, huh, what are these games? Maybe I'll check out whatever Silver Falls is. Um, I literally have no idea. So maybe I'll have to check them out. We'll see. Um, but it'd be cool. They kind of look like, um, I get the feeling like it may be some kind of like detective or like spooky game or something. Who knows? But white inside its umbra is a weird, weird title. So who knows? We'll see. Anyway, last news story for the day. Like I said, slow news today. Uh, Activision Blizzard is facing a new sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuit. This uh, article comes from Video Games Chronicle, uh, written by Tom Ivan, and the article reads as follows: Attorney Lisa Bloom filed the suit in the Los Count, or sorry, Los Angeles County Superior, uh, Superior Court on Wednesday on behalf of a current employee referred to as Jane Doe. Uh, Bloom. Oh my gosh! Sorry, I am. A burp monster today. Uh, I don't know why I eat before I record this podcast every week. But anyway, I'm going to start this article over. (laughs) Attorney Lisa Bloom filed the suit in the Los Angeles County Superior Court on Wednesday on behalf of a current employee referred to as Jane Doe, Bloomberg Loss Reports. Uh, For years, this is a quote, sorry, I should say that. Uh, So in this quote, Uh, For years, Activision Blizzard's open frat boy environment fostered rampant sexism, harassment, and discrimination within, or sorry, with 700 reported incidents occurring under CEO Robert Kotick's watch, the lawsuit reads. Uh, Doe, who joined the company in 2017 as a senior administrative assistant in the IT department, claims she was regularly pressured to drink alcohol and participate in lewd games. She also says female employees were regularly subjected to sexual comments and groping by male colleagues during the alcohol-fueled cube crawls around the office. Doe alleges that complaints about excessive drinking and sexual advances made by her superiors were explained away as leadership being nice and trying to be friends with her. Um, 
She also claims to have been told not to air her concerns due to the reputational damage it could have on the company. Having failed in multiple attempts to escape to a new job in a different department, Doe says she was eventually offered another role with a lower status and a significant salary decrease after complaining directly to ex-Blizzard president J. Allen Brack. The studio's former leader left the company last August, weeks after Activision Blizzard was hit with a lawsuit by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, which accused the company of failing to handle sexual harassment and discrimination against female employees. Uh, she also says her November 2021 application for an executive assistant position was reje uh, sorry, rejected after she spoke out about her experiences at the company during a press conference the following month. Doe is seeking a number of court orders, including the introduction of her of a rotating HR department to combat conflicts of in, or conflicts of interest in the firing of Activision Blizzard CEO Kotick. Activision Blizzard recently said it's having problems attracting new employees and retaining existing ones, and that is, and that its recruitment struggles are likely to be exacerbated by ongoing litigation and bad press. It was announced in January that Microsoft intends to purchase Activision Blizzard in a $68.7 billion deal, the games industry's biggest ever by some distance. Kotick is reportedly expected to leave the company once the Microsoft deal closes. Um, I hate to end on a down note, but uh, wanted to make sure that this story wasn't just glossed over and I just left it out because I didn't feel like talking about it, but it's probably the biggest news story of um, everything that we had to talk about today. Um, and, uh, you know, outside of, you know, seriously disagreeing with everything that is going on at Activision Blizzard with them actively covering up all of this stuff instead of trying to be better and own it and try to do something about it. Um, I kind of wonder why, you know, there's the situation with Moon Studio as well, with the Ori and the Blind Forest and Will of the Wisps uh, developer, Moon Studio. And, you know, Xbox has and Microsoft have kind of voiced a distaste for that studio. And then to in the midst of all of this stuff going on, they choose to acquire um, Activision and like go out of their way to acquire them. Um, and you know, I'm not, I don't ever want to tell people what to think or where they should spend their money or what, what console they should align with, you know, pretty platform agnostic, but, um, it's, it, to me, it's a bad look for Microsoft. I wouldn't, uh, I want to be sticking my neck out to try try to acquire a studio in the midst of something like this because when you think about how they feel about Moon Studio and then you look at this and kind of go like, despite what is happening here, Microsoft wants to acquire them. It has to do with the, the almighty dollar. They want Call of Duty and they want these big games and they want to make the money off of it. And so they're willing to acquire a publisher or in their studios for money, despite all of this stuff going on with the hopes of being able to correct everything. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it looks weird. And 
I don't know. I'd, I don't necessarily know how I feel about it, but that's kind of when I read this, outside of just feeling sorry for the people that had to put up with everything that they had to go through and uh, hoping that that gets rectified, I can't help but think about the acquisition of Activision, the Aquavision, if you will. Um, it's weird. It's weird. I don't like it, but I wanted to bring it up and uh, at least briefly touch on it. Uh, since it was in the news and it happened this week. But we'll see how this all plays out. We'll see how the acquisition goes through. And we'll see if Kodak actually leaves when everything is said and done. Uh, but I, for a long time, I haven't liked Activision. And it started out with them, or like when I found out that they have like a tax haven and they don't pay taxes and they actually get a tax refund. So, like, even if you don't buy their games, they get your money. You know, maybe, like, a fraction of your contributions to, you know, federal taxes. But they get a tax return, which is fucking gross when they should be paying taxes, you know. But, anyway, that's it for the news. Um, let me scroll down really quick uh, and get into what I've been playing. I've mostly been playing Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I'll save kind of my big picture thoughts on it for my video that's going to come out this week, but um, I'm really enjoying it. The story goes to places that uh, I did not expect. It goes like really deep into some stuff and like I found it like oddly interesting and I think, I mean, I've played a lot of Horizon, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm in the final battle, but Gameplay wise, I've spent a lot of time, but I honestly feel like I may have spent more time in like moments of exposition and story beats of like cutscenes and stuff. There's a lot there if you choose to. It's all optional, but um, I found the story and the the characters and the interactions between them so interesting that I don't think I've skipped anything unless I realize oh I'm replaying something I've already heard. Um, but it's a really deep game, and um, I think it could be beat, but currently out of all the games that I've played, it's my game of the year. It's, by and large, the best game I've played this year, but who knows? Maybe Kirby changes that. I thought Ratchet & Clank last year was a locked in, and then Metroid Dread came out, so we'll see. Who knows? But other than that, I'm still chipping away at The Last of Us Part Two with my girlfriend. We're going to do... A big discussion about that entire series all in one sit down kind of uh, spoiler cast so we're still chipping away at that we're taking our time with it just doing it whenever we have the time um, but enjoying that oh I finally checked out triangle strategy I played the demo because I didn't know if I was gonna like it and um, I'm interested I want to play more um, oddly enough I'm like Maybe I'm just in this mode where I'm really appreciating narrative and exposition, but I was really enjoying that side of it. And I could see where the combat and the gameplay could be really deep and uh, really compelling. And so I'm thinking maybe later this year, if there's like a lull and I don't feel called to do anything uh, like a retrospective or something, maybe I'll circle back and play triangle strategy. Um, I know that uh, Joe or Flame, he goes by Flame over at uh, 
lordsofgaming.net uh said that it was like in the the running to be his game of the year so it's something that i feel like i should go back and play especially recording a nintendo podcast and i'm oddly interested so we'll see but um i'm gonna fire up kirby this weekend just have a couple of things i have to finish before i really dive in because i want it to have kind of my undivided attention but yeah that's what i've been playing um and yeah, I'm, <laughs> I really hope, uh, I know that I'm basically going to have to like struggle bust my way through Horizon Forbidden West, this last boss fight, because uh, I'm underleveled, and I think I got her to like, well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't even say who it is, but uh, like that, but um, I guess, yeah, that's not too big of a spoiler, because uh, you could think it's a number of people, but sorry, uh, but fighting the final boss, I got them down to like, a quarter of their health and then died. Um, so <laughs> I should have played more Elden Ring. If I had played more Elden Ring, I think I probably would be more prepared for what I'm facing. But that's essentially how yeah, I'm gonna have to play this boss fight. Is like I'm playing Elden Ring. Like dodge, chip away slowly. Be more concerned about playing defense and slowly chipping away at the health. Um, but hopefully I pull it off. Cause yeah. I'm locked in now. I didn't have a separate save. I'm in it. And so I, if I want to finish the game, I got to beat it like this. So, uh, yeah, I'll get into that more in my video review for it. So if you're interested, hang in there. But this week for Switch It Up, I have a game that I think I've talked about before as a Switch It Up, but because of the topical nature of it I wanted to kind of reiterate it just in case um, you are not playing Kirby in the Forgotten Land I figure you could check out Kirby's Adventure the original for the Nintendo Entertainment System um, I love this game um, the one thing I will say is that I noticed that whenever I play it I get like it has like performance issues <laughs> which is weird for a game that's as old as it is that they haven't, it must be like in the game's code that it has slowdown uh, whenever there's a lot happening on screen. Like uh, you use certain abilities or, um, and there's like too many characters on screen, it, the, the frame rate stutters, which is a bit weird uh, for, you know, but I think like games like Mega Man suffer from something similar. Um, so maybe that's just like a sign of the times with these games, but it's a good game and I enjoy playing it uh, and it's like kind of like for 2d side scrolling platformers it's one of the simpler but like there are times where it's challenging so I think it, I think it's an interesting game and I remember when the the NES mini or the NES classic came out I remember that this was the game that I spent the most time playing when I owned that um what's funny is I think I ended up like trading that into a GameStop <laughs> Um, I bought it at a GameStop because I worked there at the time. And they were like, hey, do you want one? And I was like, yeah, give me one of those. Because they were just hard to get. And I think they were like 60 bucks when they came out. So I got one and uh, just played Kirby on it and ended up selling it. So, <laughs> But um, yeah, if you haven't checked this game out, check it out. And if you're thinking about buying Forgotten Land and uh, you played the demo, but you just don't have the money to throw down on it yet, 
and you have the Nintendo Switch online service, uh, check it out because it's a solid side like 2D side scrolling platformer. Um, and you know, it'll be like a good, uh, lesson in like the copyabilities. And when you start to play Forgotten Land, you'll see all the, you know, the DNA of Kirby represented in Forgotten Land, uh, from this game. So that's always cool, but Hey, well, that was episode 15 of me, myself and I, a Nintendo podcast, kind of a short episode, but I appreciate you listening. And, uh, hopefully there's some more news that we can talk about next week. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you enjoy this show, you can show your support by simply following the show on your podcast service of choice. You can uh, subscribe to Hitbox Detective on YouTube, where I upload the video component of the podcast and other gaming-related videos. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Hitbox Detective. If you would like to write into the show with uh, questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at memyselfandi.pod at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on a YouTube video, or you can tweet at me at HitboxDetective. I'd love to add a segment where I answer questions and get to interact with everyone, so please do not hesitate to write in. Again, thank you so much for your support. Take care of yourselves, and remember, leave luck to the heavens. Thank you. <laughs>